Welcome to episode 208 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get 15% off something that I use every single night of my life and is a game changer for my energy levels and sleep. So I am often asked what are my favorite quote biohacking products and something I truly honestly cannot imagine my life without are blue light blocking glasses. In today's modern environment, we are massively overexposed to blue light. It's a stimulating type of light, which can lead to stress, anxiety, headaches, and in particular, sleep issues. Blue light actually stops our bodies from producing melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So our exposure to blue light can completely disrupt our circadian rhythm, make it hard to fall asleep, make it hard to stay asleep, and so much more. Friends, I identify as an insomniac. I would not be able to sleep without my blue light blocking glasses. I also stay up late working and wearing blue light blocking glasses at night has made it so I can do that and still fall asleep. My absolute favorite blue light blocking glasses on the market are Bond Charge, formerly known as Blue Blocks. Bond Charge makes an array of blue light blocking glasses in all different designs so you can truly find something that fits your style and reap all of the benefits of blue light blocking. They have their clear computer glasses. You can wear those during the day, especially if you're looking at screens all day to help with anxiety, headaches, and stress. They have their light sensitivity glasses. Those are tinged with a special yellow color, scientifically proven to boost mood, and they block even more blue light. Those are great for the day or evening. And then they have their blue light blocking glasses for sleep. Those are the ones that I put on at night while working before bed. Oh my goodness, friends. It's something you truly have to experience. You put on these glasses and it's like you just tell your brain, okay, it's time to go to sleep soon. They also have amazing blackout sleep masks. Those block 100% of light with zero eye pressure. I wear this every single night and I don't know how I would sleep without it. And I'm so grateful because Bond Charge is offering my audience 15% off. Yes, you can get 15% off site-wide when you go to bondcharge.com and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 15% off site-wide. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 208 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing so great. It's been a week since we launched the DDD social network at dddsocialnetwork.com, and members are coming in. We're at about 2,500 members as of today, and they're finding their groups, and they're getting active, and oh, it's so much fun to watch. Like, I cannot just, I I feel like I invited everybody to a party, and they came over. I can't wait to actually explore, so then I can talk about my experience. 
Yeah, it's wonderful. So it's ddsocialnetwork.com. And yes, it's a paid membership site, but we're having to pay for it ourselves. So it's not like we're in a, on a free platform like we used to be. So there are costs involved in running this type of a thing. So that's why it's paid. It's so much fun not having to worry about, you know, is AI watching the wording and one of the groups, one of the one of my moderators is in a group that's a keto group, and she said that they're having so much trouble over there because every time someone says fat adapted, the AI picks up on it and says it's hate speech because it thinks that you're bullying, calling somebody fat. So you're like not allowed to use certain words. And they're like having so much trouble in that group. They're having to like spell it out a different way or say things in code. And I'm like, well, that's weird. <laughs> On the DDD social network, you can say fat adapted all day long if you want to. I wonder if anybody in my group has run into that problem. It's just so very interesting. Some of the things that get flagged as questionable content. I mean, obviously, AI, artificial intelligence is not a human. And so they're looking for certain you know, keywords like in the in our life lessons podcast Facebook group, we're studying Brene Brown's one of her books in the in the podcast group. So we're doing like a month long book study. And someone was talking about bullying and just the whole sense of whatever, you know, it, how it makes us to feel as a person. And then someone commented on someone, they're like talking about middle school. Like a lot of our, our issues come from what we go through in middle school. And someone was talking about that. And the comment was, oh, yeah, girls are the worst. Well, wouldn't you say that middle school girls can be some of the worst for bullying? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the comment, oh, yeah, girls are the worst. It was perfectly in context. Got removed by AI, flagged as hate speech. So, you know, the members don't know. They think that, like, maybe I've removed their comment. They don't know Facebook's removed it, but Facebook shows it to me and says, oh, hate speech. And we're like, no, it's not. It's not. Anyway. (sighs) Yeah, that reminds me of, I listened to a really good interview with Jack Dorsey about Twitter, and he was talking about all of the complexities of, you have to take in context. It's hard for a bot. I don't even know if they can take in context. I don't know how you would teach them to. <laughs> you have to teach them to. But yeah, it, it's it's really creating a lot of problems. And I understand why Facebook is is cracking down on that type of thing. You know, they, they want to make sure the platform doesn't have bullying and hate speech. We all agree with that. We don't want to have that either. But in the meantime, it's like running amok. Actually, yes. Can I tell you about my related bot Facebook related struggle? Yes. It's not actually Facebook. It's Instagram. But they are together as <laughs> they're the same company now. So as you know, I'm having a fabulous time now on Instagram. <laughs> I just love, and I said this before, but I really love creating content. It's really exciting to create visual content with words about all of the biohacking things and share what I learn. And even though I'm really selfies make me uncomfortable, but it's still, I'm really enjoying it. So it can seem not that important, but I think it's really important to have the verified badge, the little blue check mark. It gives you a lot of credibility and it's really important if you actually are needing to be verified for something. So like, I mean, Jen, you're a New York Times bestselling author. I have the podcast. So the issue is that it's also run by bots, the verification process. So if you, you can submit to be verified, but apparently it's bots that review. And I guess they, they have some sort of criteria. I think, I don't know. This is what I've been told. It's some sort of criteria with Google 
and like where your name comes up. So there's no actual person looking at your account and being like, oh yes, this is who they say they are. Because if that was the case, I think both you and I would get the little verification check mark. So my current dilemma is I'm trying to figure out how to get somebody at Instagram to actually look at my account, like a real person. Yeah, well, hopefully they could look at mine too, because <laughs> that it would be nice to have the have the check. We are who we say we are. I know. They'll be like, wait, why is she posting all these pictures of cats? She must not be. That's not really her. Well, it's really interesting to see most people you would expect in like the biohacking health world to be verified are, but there are a lot of people that aren't. And I don't know if it's a situation where they are doing like I'm doing where they're submitting, but it gets rejected or they're just not submitting for it. But if any of our thousands and thousands of listeners knows anybody at Instagram who can review our account, accounts, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody who is definitely someone I consider to be legitimate and big enough. They were not checked. They didn't have a check. I have a good friend who's an actor who's in like a lot of big TV shows, movies, and he cannot get, (laughs) they keep rejecting him too. He's like posted about it a lot on Instagram. He's like, why am I getting rejected? I mean, it makes no sense. Like, is it somebody I would recognize? Possibly. I can tell you after. (laughs) Okay. I don't know if you've seen any of his shows, but one thing I keep thinking is if I can somehow get somebody at Instagram to review my account, I'm going to be be like, hey, can you also look at his? Because I know, and Jen's. <laughs> and mine. And look at mine. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I don't need to be verified. I, I know I am who I am, but it would, I mean, it would still be like, oh, that's cool. I don't know. For credibility, I think it's important. It just goes back to that bot versus human thing. Like if a human person would look at our accounts, we'd be good, but it's the bots. So it sounds so futuristic. <laughs> it really is funny, but we're running into it, like I said, every day on the, the Facebook groups with, with some kind of weird comment that's getting flagged. And did you know that, like there's bots who try to join Facebook groups? I don't even know what that means. But there's like Facebook profiles that are bots. Did you know that? No. I don't know either. But one of my moderators is like amazing and she understands all the security side of things. And they all, like, have certain answers. Like, they'll try to join and it'll be like, yes, yes, yes. Or, like... No, I've been experiencing that recently because, for listeners, I have my Facebook groups. I have I have Biohackers. I have a, a Lumen Biosense CGM group. And then I have my Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare. Every day I get, like, probably four or five requests where it's that. They answer it, yes, 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 or hi, hi, hi. Right. Hi, hi, hi. That's one. I thought it was spammers. It's bots? Well, I don't know. There's all, there's bots and spammers. I don't know the difference. But I think it, some of them are spammers and some of them are bots. I don't really know what a bot is. It makes no sense to me. But I just know that this moderator who understands all that, how that works, she's like, yeah, this is a bot profile. We're like, okay. I don't know if they're all bots. Maybe some are spammers and some are bots. Maybe they're spammer bots. <laughs> this is crazy. It really is. The behind the scenes in social media management is just a whole different world that you just would not understand. Well, on that note, shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have a few questions and they come from Liz. The subject is loading blood glucose and ketones. Oh my. And then parentheses, I'm not chasing ketones. I promise. I thought that was a great title. I did too. Liz says, 
Hi, Jen and Melanie. I am new to the IF lifestyle just about two weeks in, and I'm already feeling so many health benefits. I love the energy I have while in the fasted state, and it just warms my heart to think about all of the benefits my body is receiving behind the scenes. I began the IF journey after reading Dave Asprey's new book, Fast This Way, and landed on Fast Feast Repeat through a Kindle recommendation. I'm currently reading What When Wine, and am totally geeking out over all of the IF science. Man, she's hitting all of them. She really is. She says, if you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, oh yes, Liz, I am familiar. She says, I am a questioner. So binging on your books and podcast episodes has totally fed my tendency. Pardon the pun. She says, my first question is about feeling bloated after feasting. I dove straight into a 16-8 plan two weeks ago, but naturally shifted to 24, sometimes 22-2 based on my hunger cues. I was shocked when I made it through a 20-hour fast without one thought of food. However, I've noticed that after eating a well-balanced meal of whole foods in a shorter window, I feel bloated. I don't believe I am overeating as I eat to satiety and don't feel overfull. So I'm confused by the bloated, heavy feeling. Any thoughts? And we can do these one at a time if you like. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's a great question, Liz. And we hear it all the time. And It's really, you've got to figure out, it could be one of two things. Number one, it could be actual bloating. When we're doing intermittent fasting, you know, we spend so much of the day in the fasted state, we get used to that feeling. And then now you eat, and then you're going to notice a difference in the way you feel. If it is actual bloating, you'll notice a difference sooner than you would, like, say, if you were eating all day long in the past, because that's just how you felt. You didn't really notice. It wasn't like a contrast between the fasted state, and then now you're you're actually having bloating. So you need to figure out if it's actual bloating or is it just the contrast between the, the fasted state and the fed state because your system feels so empty and you feel so slim and then you eat and then you're you've got food in there. So like imagine your digestive system, you know, from your esophagus to your stomach to your intestines. Imagine that during the fast that clears out. And then you eat, and suddenly that big mass of what you just ate is like moving through you. So, you know, maybe you're mistaking that for bloating. So you've got to decide is, or you've got to figure out is it just the mass of food, not making, you're not feeling that slim, fasted feeling anymore, or is it actual bloating that now the fasting is showing you that you're bloating after eating? You know, fasting doesn't cause intestinal bloating itself. That would be what you're eating. And and you have to figure out if that's something that's going on for you. That's a really great distinction. And then my suggestions for actually addressing the bloating, if it is due to actual bloating, and the actual bloating from it could be digestive distress because you're not breaking down the the food properly and or you have gut dysbiosis and it's creating issues with with your gut bacteria. So the suggestions I would make one would be a lot of people benefit from a low FODMAP approach, at least as a trial run. It's basically foods that are free of carbohydrate-based substrates that can feed gut bacteria and lead to bloating and digestive issues. So that's something you can try, especially if you're already eating whole foods. You probably find it to be an easy adaptation. You can get my app. It's called Food Sense Guide and It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for actually 12 different compounds that people often react to in foods. But one of those categories is FODMAPs. So that might be helpful for you. 
other things on the app. If people struggle with like histamine or lectins or glutens or oxalates, salicylates, nightshades, sulfites, thiols, it even has AIP. It's a really, really cool app, which by the way, Jen, whenever I do randomly check it, it's usually between like number 10 and number 20 for all food and drinks apps still in the, in the iTunes store, which is very exciting. And thanks to Jen's son, Cal. And then on top of that, you can use digestive enzymes or HCL or on top of that, or in addition, if you are struggling with actually breaking down food, people can really, really benefit from digestive enzymes and HCL. So Bioptimizers makes a really good digestive enzyme that we like called Masszymes. They also make HCL breakthrough, but the way that you would want to use those is the HCL you actually want to take at the beginning of your meal. And that's basically stomach acid and it's going to help digest your food. Stomach acid actually prompts the release of pancreatic enzymes in your small intestine. So increasing stomach acid not only breaks down the food in your stomach, it actually encourages breaking down the food farther down in the small intestine. On top of that, if you actually take the digestive enzymes, which you would want to take after the HCL, because that would be the natural order of things in your own body, that can really, really help some people. It's It can be game changers for so many people, myself included. So we can put links in the show notes to that. And we often have a code for them. I'm not sure if this episode specifically will have a code, but there's usually a code. If they're not sponsoring this episode, just go back through the most recent episodes on our website until you find... Yeah, they're not sponsoring this one. Okay. Yeah, so they actually sponsored episode 207, which was the one before this. So if you go to the show notes for 207, you can get a coupon code for them. They also make a probiotic called P3OM. And I really like that probiotic because in general, I said the gut microbiome can be an issue with bloating, but P3OM specifically, the strain is lacked. I think it's L plantarum, L plantarum. It's actually a proteolytic probiotic, meaning it also helps you digest your food, which is super cool. So yeah. So looking at your food choices, trying maybe a low FODMAP approach, bringing in some digestive enzymes and digestive support. I really think that you can solve the bloating issue. So her next question, she says, are about blood glucose and ketones. I recently tested both my blood glucose and ketone levels throughout the course of the day and had interesting results. My fasting blood sugar is typically between 70 to 75 milligrams per deciliter. An hour and a half after a cup of plain black coffee, about 12.5 hours into my fast, my blood glucose level went to 85 milligrams per deciliter. Later in the afternoon, about 15 hours into my fast, I had a cup of plain black decaf coffee. I retested my blood glucose level an hour later and it was 86. I realized that this is still considered normal, but I was just wondering if the potential insulin response could cause a problem. I really do not want to switch to a water only fast as I love and have always loved plain black coffee. Can we answer this one first? I just want to say, Liz, your blood sugar levels are fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. Even, even 85 is fabulous. Fabulous. Like, (laughs) don't, those are really great numbers. (laughs) I have other thoughts, but go ahead. I was like, what's the problem? No, people often get confused. And so Liz is saying she's worrying about a potential insulin response. But see, let's think about this. You noticed that after you had coffee, your blood glucose was higher. Okay, so why was it higher? Well, coffee causes our liver to dump glycogen. What does that glycogen do? It raises your blood glucose level. Do we want our liver to dump glycogen? Yeah. 
you know, as our liver dumps glycogen, it gets us closer to ketosis, to that fat burning state. So people will be very confused. Like if if the only thing that happened is you had an insulin response, like you drank coffee, had an insulin response, no glycogen dumped, you just had an insulin response, your blood glucose would go down because that's what insulin does. If you just have insulin only, blood glucose goes down. So if your blood glucose is going up, yet you haven't taken in any blood glucose, it's coming from inside your own body. And that's, you know, your liver dumping the glycogen. So don't let your blood glucose level confuse you. Now, is it possible that if if your blood glucose goes up, that your body might release some insulin to respond to a higher blood glucose? Yes, that could happen, but that's how your body is supposed to work. Your body is constantly releasing, you know, what it feels like is the right amount of insulin. So if your blood glucose had gone up to a higher level, you know, their body was like, oop, now we need some, we need to bring that down. Then you would have had a little, we're not ever at a zero insulin state unless you're like type one diabetic and you release no insulin at all. We all have insulin going on. What we don't want is chronic high levels of insulin. Yeah, exactly. And then also this is not her case or it it might be, but I just wanted to clarify for listeners as well that even if you're glycogen is depleted, you can still have the same experience because the liver can actually create new glycogen, like new glucose to send out sugar, glucose, glucose, that's the word, through gluconeogenesis. So you can experience that liver dumping effect regardless of your glycogen stores. It's coming from somewhere. It's coming from inside your body. The coffee didn't have any glucose in it. So that's that's when people say something raises your blood sugar or it doesn't raise your blood sugar. That's not necessarily the metric we're looking for. You know, Jason Fung talks about this in the Diabetes Code that we've been chasing the wrong thing. Just, you know, what is your blood sugar doing from minute to minute? You know, and so the whole point has been just control the blood sugar only without thinking about what else is happening. And then also on top of that, both Jen and I have worn CGMs and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen personally... It just in general, it wavers. I mean, because she says hers is normally between 70 to 75 and then, you know, it's gone up to like 86, but like that, that variation of around 10 to 15, like within a certain range is very, very normal. One of my moderators, she does Zumba every morning. I mean, she's not had anything, you know, to eat obviously before she goes, but every day after Zumba, her blood glucose pops up after exercise. She's like, there's the Zumba up, you know, it goes up every day. Yeah. And the reason for that is like for brief, intense exercise, they say with people on very, very long-term ketogenic diets that they adapt to this. But for most people, like brief sprints and really intense exercise requires carbs just because of the literal amount of speed, (laughs) like the amount, the, the time that it takes to turn that into energy compared to fatty acids and ketones although ketones are faster than fatty acids. So her next question, she says, now to the ketones, I promise I'm not chasing ketones, but out of curiosity, I have been testing them. The same day I tested blood glucose, I tested my ketone level 12 hours into my fast and it was 1.4 millimoles per liter. Yippee, ketosis. But then I tested again 20 hours into my fast after an hour long workout consisting of HIIT, strength training and flexibility, and it was down to point. Three, I thought longer fasting hours and exercise were supposed to promote ketosis. Could you shed any light as to why my ketone level dropped so significantly after a workout and longer fasting? Yes, 
because your body used some of that energy while you were doing that heavy workout. And so <laughs> that is one reason why I don't want you to, as you said, in your in your subject, chasing ketones, because they can confuse you. You you think it you're like, well, look, I fasted longer and I worked out. I'm surely burning more fat. Surely I'm gonna have higher ketone levels. But remember, the ketones circulating in your blood are the ones you're not using. You're using them for all sorts of things. So, And as we get adapted, fewer will be floating around in our blood even you know, as we get more and more into the lifestyle. So like, the more experienced you get as a faster, the fewer ketones you'll have over time. And then you'll be like, wait, I'm no longer going into ketosis. My ketones are lower. No, that's not what that shows. So I wouldn't get discouraged by that at all. We are not trying to have high ketone numbers. I think we probably talked about this last week, and Jen already said it a little bit, but basically the blood ketones that you're measuring are in a way like the storage form of the ketone. So you would actually expect, you would expect if you're using them for that marker to go down compared to, for example, breath ketones. And I talked about this last week, but they, they are a byproduct of burning ketones. So actually if Liz had a breath monitor, if it was ketones that she was burning, we would expect that to actually go up from this exercise. But yep, totally, completely normal. Yep, totally normal. Right. And then she also says, I plan to stop testing ketones after I've made it to the 28-day clean fasting mark, but I have just ordered a Nutrisense CGM using Melanie's coupon code. Thank you. So excited. So I will continue to test blood glucose Can't wait to insert my CGM while listening to Taylor Swift. The reason she said that is I, one of my videos on Instagram, speaking of, I have some videos on my Instagram of how to put on a CGM. And of course they are to the soundtrack of Taylor Swift. All of them are. She says, thank you for all that you do in the IF world. I am so thrilled to be a part of it. And I think Liz, when you do get that CGM, you'll feel a lot better actually about your blood glucose because you'll see how normal it is for it to be changing all the time. I think it'll give you a lot more clarity about everything. And for listeners, if you'd like to get your own Nutrisense CGM, the code for that that Liz used is go to melanieavalon.com slash Nutrisense CGM. That's N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E-C-G-M. And use the coupon code melanieavalon, and that will get you 15% off of any of their packages with the exception of... I think they have a trial one. I don't I don't think it will work on that, but otherwise you can use that 15% off on anything. Awesome. All right, are we ready to move on? Yes. All right, we have a question from Michelle. She says, the most important question asked thus far. Well, that's quite a buildup, Michelle. <laughs> all right, here we go. Hi, Melanie and Jen. I love you ladies and all the content you give out to all of us. I have heard you both mention that you will just drink a glass or a tablespoon of wine. How do you keep your wine so it doesn't go bad? I enjoy a glass, but find myself dumping it or cooking with it if I haven't had it within two days. What do you ladies do? Unfortunately, my husband doesn't drink wine, so I've had no one to share my bottle with. Thanks for the help to this very important question. Thanks, Michelle. From Buffalo, New York. I almost didn't write that part, but there it is. I think this is a very important question. (laughs) Oh, and, and by the way, for listeners, I've moved past a tablespoon of wine. I'm back to normal, normal amounts. I use Vacuven, I think is the brand. So it's the little, it's like the rubber wine stoppers and you pump out the extra air. She says she drinks it within two days. I find that it 
keeps that pretty well for at least four or five days. So yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. The show notes, by the way, are at ifpodcast.com slash episode 208. Do you have any comments, Jen? Ditto, same thing. That's exactly what we use. We have a, I think it's a vacuum, what I think that's what it is. And it pumps out the air and you put the little stopper in and it keeps it for a long time. Like one time, oh, and I also for for bubbly things, use one of those champagne bottle stoppers that folds down over the rim and holds it in place. And you also pump out the air a little bit. Those will keep the bubbles in for a long time. Like one time I was at the beach and then I left for two weeks and I came back and there was still a bottle that had been in the fridge and it was still had bubbles. I mean, it wasn't like original bubbles, like from the day we opened it, it wasn't as good, but it was still bubbly. Yeah. When I worked in restaurants for like five years, that's what they use usually is the, those pumper systems. By the way, for the vacuum in, they have, they have one where you can get colored stoppers. It's like purple, blue, and pink. They're so amazing. So just in case you want some color. All right. Shall we go to our next question? Yes. So this comes from Rhonda. Hello, questions. I have been fasting for 206 days, usually 16-8. Day by day, my number kept coming down each day. December, I reached my lowest weight of 132.8. My goal is 130. Since Christmas, my number has steadily been going up. Today, I was 138. Nothing has really changed with my food or activities. Any suggestions as to why this happened? What can I do to get it turned around and moving back down again? Please let me know. Thanks so much. All right. Well, unfortunately, I don't know much about how much you lost altogether or what what's happening your size, your height. I don't, I don't, it's hard to really answer completely. So y'all, when you're writing in, the more details you can give us, the better. Like, like what was your starting weight? How much have you lost? How's your size changed? You know, the scale is not a good picture always of what's happening. Like someone could go from 132.8 to 138 and actually get smaller in size if you've lost fat and put on muscle. So just knowing that you went from 132.8 to 138 doesn't let me know anything about what your body is doing. I mean, you might be just slimmer today than you were then because you've, like I said, lost fat and built muscle. But maybe your pants are tight and you know you're gaining fat. And that's a whole different question. You know, if that's what's happened, then probably something has changed because, you know, when we do gain weight or lose weight, there's something changing. But you've got to figure out what that is. Sometimes I've noticed in the community over the years Somebody will be like, well, you know, I thought my fasts were X, Y, Z, and then I started tracking it on an app, and I realized, oh, it really wasn't that. And and once you really start looking at what you're doing, you realize maybe you have, you know, had an extra dessert every day that you weren't having before, or something has changed. And when you really look closely, maybe you can figure out what that is. But again, it may just be an indication of muscle gain and fat loss, and your body is changing. So I want you to use other tools. Take photos. Use your honesty pants, all sorts of things. Then you'll really know what's happening. The scale alone is really meaningless. I don't really have anything to add. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question. We have a question from Leah, and the subject is podcast resources. She says, Melanie and Jen, I've been listening to your podcast for years, and I feel like both of you are just old friends. I have had so much success with intermittent fasting, and I have persuaded so many people to adopt the lifestyle as well. I have a different question not related to IF, which is, do you have any advice or resources that you would recommend for starting a podcast? 
I'm interested in everything from what sort of equipment I would need to tutorials from books and websites. This is a dream of mine, but I don't even know where to begin. Thanks so much for all that you do. All the best, Leah. All right, Leah. Well, thank you so much for your question. And the first thing I will say is the first step is exactly what you're doing is asking somebody who's done a podcast how to do it, because that's actually how I did started ours. One of my like really good friends had a, a big podcast. So I just asked him what to do. And then I just did exactly what he said. Um, and here we are. So basically as far as the components, which I really, I really encourage anybody who wants to start a podcast to do so. I, I really like people to follow, follow their creative dreams. This is appropriate because we're talking about all the stuff on, you know, on the behind the scenes. There's a lot that goes into podcasting. I think people think that, well, I don't know if people think this, but it might seem like we just show up and record and then release it, but there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot involved. So I guess the components of things that you need are equipment wise, you need a pretty good mic. Sound quality is so important. So I have one called HyperX. I'm trying to think, I think that's the brand. It's amazing. It lights up bright red. Which mic do you have, Jen? The, what is it called? The one you told me to get? Yeah. The one I originally had, Audiotronic AT2020 USB. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's what Jen had. We can put links to this. We'll put links in the show notes to what we have. There are a lot of different platforms that you can record on to connect if you're doing it with a co-host or interviewing somebody. There are platforms that allow you to talk. It's kind of like Zoom, but it records it. So then you have the tracks. So Jen and I use Squadcast right now for Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I use Zencaster for the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. And then there's the editing process. So originally when we started this show, I edited everything. Now we have editors that do that for us. So we actually use podcast doctors for our show. I think Jen uses Resonate. I do. Yeah, Resonate Recordings does mine. And that was the biggest, like, freeing moment for me is when I realized, like, when I wanted to start Intermittent Fasting Stories. Yeah, I had Melanie for Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Melanie was doing all the editing. Melanie knew how to upload it and podcast platforms and make it magically show up. I didn't know how to do any of that. And so I got this book, Melanie, called Podcasting for Dummies, which is (laughs) – I got that book, and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I can do this. I'm going to learn how to edit. And then I was reading it. I'm like, it was talking about Libsyn and all these. And this is a while ago. It was like 2018. So <laughs> I've come a long way since then even. But I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like, wait a minute. I could pay someone to do this. So I just started looking and Googled and found a company and found Resonate Recordings just from Google. I just Googled and found them. And they are awesome. Resonate Recordings is. And I was like, hey, they had a launch package. Wait, we had been at Resonate, though, before. We tried them out after I was already using them. Really? Yep. I used them first. And then we used them a little bit for editing because you were still doing all the editing at that point. Oh. It's a long time ago, but you were doing, I remember completely, you were doing all the editing. And then it was after Resonate was recording, was editing mine. You were like, let's try them for this one. And I'm like, sure, it's fine with me. Oh, I have that backwards in my head. And they're a little pricier. So, you know, Melanie was looking for a, a more cost effective. <laughs> they're not expensive, but I, I certainly can understand looking for someone that, that costs less. But Resonate Recordings is a little pricier, but I just have really enjoyed working with them. And also it's easy just to stay there. I like them. I have like a person that works with me, you know, that I can ask to really 
do almost anything, and they they helped me a lot. Anyway, they had everything, the launch package. They helped me set up the website for it. They helped me get it everywhere. You know, could I have done it all myself? Sure. Could I have learned how to edit it? Yes. Did I want to? Did I have time to? No. So it was nice to to be able to have that resource. And then on top of that, <laughs> the podcast actually has to go on a platform. You have to have it hosted. A host. A host. So we have been, <laughs> we have been hosted all over the place. Friends, it's kind of like moving when you <laughs> when you move between hosts and platforms. So we have been we've been at Podbean, we've been at Megaphone, we've been at Art19, we are back at Podbean. We've contemplated going to other hosts. I think we might actually do that. And so the host is in charge of they basically store the episodes and then they provide the feed that all of these podcast players are reading to pick up the episodes. So there's a lot involved. <laughs> oh, and Resonate Recordings also will host you. They didn't used to have that feature, or I would just be hosted with them probably still to this day. But our Life Lessons podcast is edited and hosted by Resonate. It's so easy, Melanie. All you do is click approve episode, and then you've already put the date in and just automatically, you don't have to like go somewhere else and put it there. Nice. It's amazing. Intermittent Fasting Stories was hosted on Podbean, and then I moved to Megaphone, and then I moved to Art19, and I'm still on Art19. Yes. Although, can I tell you something fun? Yes. On dddsocialnetwork.com, you can listen to ad-free episodes of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Yep, I have a special place for them because Resonate, they're hosting them also. So actually, my podcast is hosted in two places. Resonate is hosting the ad-free version. And so I'm going to upload those early so you will get them before Thursday. You just go to dddsocialnetwork.com. And in the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast group, there's a forum, and each podcast episode has a different forum entry. So you can just listen to it right there. No ads are inserted. You're not going to have them at all. You can also discuss the episode right under there, like in the little forum. There's a place to discuss it with other people that are listening to it. So I'm really excited about that feature. And you can listen to all of them. I uploaded all of them. Oh, can I tell you a funny story? Yes. So I was doing this the other night at like 9 p.m. I was uploading all the episodes because I had them in another place, but they all had to load and it was really clunky. And I'm like, I got to put them in these forums. This is going to be better because people were complaining they couldn't get them to load and it would take a while. And I understood 139 episodes were having to load. It took a long time. So I moved them. But I was doing them one by one. Boom, boom, moving them in, moving them in. (laughs) And then I got this email from this girl. She's like, I just got over 100 emails from you. Oh, gosh. Because she was, her notification in the new platform was set to all or something or instant. So every time I upload it, I'm like, I'm so sorry. One day we will laugh about this. But she got 139 emails. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I promise not to spam you. But okay, here you go. 139 emails from Jen. And we were laughing about it. But anyway, I thought that was funny. Oh my goodness. That's really funny. Yeah. But yeah, you know what's what's great though? This new platform, the dddsocialnetwork.com is 59.95 a year, which is 4.99 a month. I don't know if listeners have been around since we were on Himalaya, but I I was a Himalaya premium podcast which had a different feed that you could be a member for. If you subscribe through Himalaya Premium, you got an ad-free version of Intermittent Fasting Stories for 4.99 a month. That's all you got. For $4.99 a month, you got ad-free intermittent fasting stories, and you got them a day early. And I had a bunch of people who subscribed to that. 
and then that went away. Himalaya, you know, did, made some changes, so the ad-free version was no more. So this new platform, dddsocialnetwork.com, you not only get the ad-free version, but you also get the whole community. Yeah, so much more for the same price that people were paying for just getting the ad-free version. So it's pretty incredible. I think it's worth four ninety nine, even if you never go to the community just to have ad-free versions of the podcast because you don't have to, you know, it's not interrupted and, you know, wherever the ad might pop in. Which actually to clarify, I'm glad you brought up the ads. It's another reason why hearing all of that, there's a lot that's involved in producing the podcast. So like it, it costs us a lot of money to create it. So that's why we're so grateful that we do have companies that we can work with. Oh, we are. Yeah. I'm not not dissing the ads at all. Thank you to everyone who advertises. I love the brands we work with. Me too. They're all companies and products I personally use and adore and want everybody to experience. So everybody wins. It's a wonderful situation. Yes. So I'm not anti-ads because, you know, (laughs) everything's got to, we love the podcast, but this is our job. Yep. We're making a living from it. So you can either listen to ads or you can pay us a different way, like Peter Atia does with his platform. You know, we've... Everyone who releases content is paid for that content by someone. You might have to do some digging to figure out who pays them for doing it. But very few people are just creating content for free. At least not if it's a full-time commitment. Correct. Yeah. So, which it is because we don't just have this show. We have our other shows as well. Yep. Three podcasts is a lot, Melanie. I have three. <laughs> I love them. I love doing them. It's my actually one of my favorite parts of what I do. I'm forever perpetually grateful. Me too. Thank you all for listening. It is a shocking amount of time. Yeah, it is. Spent. I mean, it's all I, it's what I do. <laughs> so when we get off today, I've got to record five, wait, one, two, three. I have to record six ads because Intermittent Fasting Stories is still going to have ads, just only if you're not listening to them in my platform. You'll still get the ads popped in, but I have to record two for Intermittent Fasting Podcast and four for Intermittent Fasting Stories. Yep. And then the prep work and everything. It's a lot of work to record ads, too. They sound so weird, and you have to do them again. I'm like, that sounds weird. Then I have to do it again. I don't know. <laughs> Talking to you seems reasonable, but recording an ads, I feel like I'm so fake. <laughs> I love recording ads. I don't. I don't love it. I don't love it, but I don't feel fake doing it. Like, I feel I feel very authentic. <laughs> I love the product. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Like, I'm about to record one for Green Chef, and I love Green Chef. We're having Green Chef for dinner. I'm not making that up. (laughs) I really, really love it. And, you know, the number of companies we say no to Mm -hmm. is remarkable. And and people don't understand that either. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not going to endorse that company because I don't like that company or like their product. But I still feel weird when I'm recording it. Like, I'll talk to you all day about Green Chef, but if I have to, like, tell you this ad about Green Chef, it feels weird. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel weird to me. I just pretend like I'm just talking about it to somebody. Normally, <laughs> I have a hard time with that. But again, you're you are a trained actress, so I wonder if that has something. You can be, you know. Whereas I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like this teacher over here. Does, <laughs> I just want to talk to you. <laughs> Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. Our next question is from Maureen. She says, I started IF for a second time in mid-October 2020 after you did a webinar at my work. You did a... I did a webinar. Yes, I did. I did a webinar. At her work? 
Yes. A Mutual of Omaha webinar, they invited me, the company, this was so exciting, Mutual of Omaha, they're a big insurance company in the Midwest, like Omaha, (laughs) that's where they're from. But you've probably heard, have you heard of Mutual of Omaha, Melanie? Um, I don't think so. Well, the reason probably my age, we all know them because they used to sponsor like TV shows we would watch, like the Disney show that would come on Sunday nights or something was sponsored by Mutual of Omaha. I think we all remember those commercials. That's what I think of them anyway. But they're a big insurance company. They're really big in the Midwest. And they reached out to me and said, would you do a webinar about Fast Feast Repeat? And then I was super excited because whenever you know a big company asks you to do something, that is really a big endorsement. You know, they wanted me to talk about fasting. So I went to my moderator. We have a a little private group. And I'm like, guess what? Mutual of Omaha wants me to do a webinar. And one of my moderators said, my husband is an executive (laughs) at Mutual of Omaha. And so then they looked into, you know, who was asking me. And then both of them, my moderator friend and her husband, came on the webinar with me because they're both intermittent fasters. But it all happened like it wasn't her husband who said, y'all should do this. That was like totally unrelated. It was a coincidence. That's crazy. It was crazy, but it felt wonderful to be asked to do that. It was a lot of a lot of pressure. I'm like, uh oh, I gotta be on camera and do a webinar, but I loved it. I don't want to do another one anytime soon because it was a lot of pressure. And I t- <laughs> well, Maureen was present there. She was there. Thank you, Maureen. I'm glad you were there. She says, I realized I wasn't doing the clean fast. I'm doing an 18-6 most days. I have only about four to five pounds and I want to lose 10 more. What advice do you have or better alternatives do you have for a chocoholic like me? And then she also wants to know if I, Melanie, have ever been overweight. She says, I listen to your ladies IF podcast and love your different views. So I've never been overweight by BMI standards. I don't think. I'd have to look up. Yeah, because you found intermittent fasting in college. And if we all think back to college, you know, the time in college, well, not all of us, a lot of us, when we were teens and in college, we felt like we were, you know, maybe needed to lose a little weight. But when we look back on that period of time, we realized we really didn't. Like we we may have been a little over the weight where we felt our best, but we weren't technically overweight. I mean, that's not always true. Sometimes people are overweight in college. But I can remember feeling like I needed to go on a diet in college, and really I was within a healthy weight range the whole time. So I think that's probably true for you. That certainly was my college experience. I wasn't overweight, but I was sure dieting. The highest I got was probably at the upper end of normal weight. Yeah. So, but as far as the chocoholic question, I'm assuming this is in in her eating window, right? Oh, yeah. She's not having chocolate during the fast because she understands the clean fast. (laughs) She's definitely not doing it then. I'm guessing she is thinking the chocolate is a hindrance in her weight loss, which I would encourage her to reframe. You might be able to continue having chocolate. If it is a problem in your weight, I would guess it's probably from the processed normal chocolate bars and candies that we think of. So I would suggest getting like really high percent low sugar high chocolate cacao versions, or I don't know if it's cacao. I don't know if it's cacao. They make really high, is it cocoa or cacao percent? Huh? I don't know. I would say cocoa, but I don't know. Anyway, look for the high number, big number. So if you go to Whole Foods, I know they have a pretty good chocolate section there and you can find some that are really, really high and and that are low in sugar. I don't know what diet you're doing, but if that is not enough, you could make your own. You could get 
again, I don't know if it's cacao or cocoa powder, but you could get the pure unsweetened powder and you could sweeten it. If the carbs are an issue, you could sweeten it with something like stevia or, you know, monk fruit. Like you can find recipes to make your own chocolate. And then if it's just because you want to cut out chocolate, I don't know what sort of alternative you're looking for. Jen, do you have ideas? Well, the the thing that really gets to me here that you know, is that she only wants to lose 10 pounds. And again, just like with the question we had earlier, it's really hard to know within the context of, like, like you mentioned BMI before. I know BMI is imperfect, but losing 10 more pounds, like for example, where I am right now, if I decided, like based on a scale number, if I got on a scale tomorrow and saw a number and I didn't like it and said I needed to lose 10 more pounds on the scale, I would have a really hard time doing it. My body wouldn't want to lose 10 more pounds. This is a weight where my body really wants to be. But I'm also in a healthy weight range. So it's hard to know. Like if Maureen wants to lose 10 more pounds, maybe Maureen is overweight and she's in the overweight BMI range and her goal is to lose 10 more so she's just in the normal weight range but barely, then it would be logical for her to lose 10 more pounds if she's in the overweight range. Am I making sense? But if she's like solidly in the healthy weight range and just wants to lose 10 more pounds, maybe her body doesn't want to do that. You know, we're all different when it comes to our our body's preferred size and where our body wants to be and where it's easy for us to stay. You know, we can get a preconceived idea, but if I decided I wanted to lose 10 more pounds, I would have a very challenging time doing that and keeping it off. I I guess I'm so very fortunate and blessed, and I admit this, I know it, I'm so fortunate that the weight my body has settled in for these past six years, because I've been at maintenance for six years, the weight my body has settled in, this weight range, is one where I feel amazing. So I'm very lucky there. And I I do not discount, you know, you're someone who wants to lose 10 pounds to feel the way they want to feel. I know that's got to be hard. So I feel your pain, but it's very hard to lose beyond a weight where your body is happy and maintain it and live a lifestyle. I mean, you know, I could lose 10 pounds, but I'd have to really diet and restrict and be hardcore. And I don't want to live that way. Exactly. So like with the chocolate, it sounds like since she self-identifies as a chocoholic, maybe it's a trigger food or maybe she has trouble stopping eating it. I would do one of the suggestions I said. Also a good thing about making your own is it's not like you can just keep buying it. Like you have to keep making it. So that kind of puts a limit on it. Or it might just be an all or none approach where you just say no and you find something else to replace that with. When it comes to habits, it is really important to replace whatever the habit that you want to change is with something else. So you're still getting that response in the brain that you're looking for, that like pleasurable response. Otherwise the the brain is going to like look to fill that void with something. So it doesn't even have to be a food that you replace it with. I don't know when you're eating the chocolate, but if it's like a dessert thing at the end of your meal and you just keep eating, you know, maybe you you change it completely and you, and you replace the end of your meal with some sort of activity, like a gratitude journal or replacing it with something else completely. So you can replace the chocolate with other versions of chocolate or with something else completely. That was a lot. But, you know, it's just really hard to say. Now, Maureen, again, I I could go back and give a little more answer. If you really do need to lose 10 pounds, like you're you're overweight and, and you need to lose 10 and you know your body can lose those 10, 
then it's time to do some tweaking in your eating window. 18.6 was not my body's weight loss magical sweet spot. So I would go back to Fast Feast Repeat and look at the Intermittent Fasting Toolbox chapter and figure out how you can do some adjusting there to see the weight loss that you're looking for. Awesome. Last comment. I just feel like I should emphasize this every time now. I really think when it comes to macros, focusing on protein for weight loss and satiety can be really, really a game changer. So a high protein diet, either low carb, high fat or high carb, low fat. It's funny, Jen, I posted in my group, tell me you listen to my shows without telling me. Have you seen that before? Yes. The comments are so much, you would, you would love it. So a lot of them involve you. Oh, tell me some of them. The reason I thought about it is a lot of people have said high carb, low fat or low carb, high fat is the answer. So it has 156 comments. That's so fun. It's actually a lot of like our sponsor stuff. People saying like, I use Juve or I eat ButcherBox or I blah, blah, blah. One is anything from you, Jen, before you go. One is always. What are you grateful for? I love this so much. You know, I do my research. Funfetti, all the things. Oh, there was one about you and us disagreeing on things. Wait, let me find it. Jen, anything else from you? Yeah, love it. Sorry, that was a lot. Anything to add, Jen? (laughs) Yes. How would you say you listen to our show, Jen, without telling us? Oh, gosh. Now I'm on the spot. Maybe I would just say, I don't know. (laughs) You always ask me a question. You're like, do you know? And I say, I don't know. Somebody did this on Instagram and somebody replied, I did not know that. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah, there you go. I did not know that. That's right. That would be that would be what I would say. No, I did not know that. Yeah, and somebody commented on how we're opposites and everything. And I said, I feel like the conversation with that normally goes, like something comes up and then I say, see, we're opposites on everything. And then you say, no, we're not. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> but we are. We're not totally the opposite on everything. See, that's what you always say. <laughs> it cracks me up. Well, we're not. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. Goodness. Good times. In any case, for listeners, if you'd like to submit your own questions to the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 208. You can follow us on Instagram, our unverified Instagrams. I'm Melanie Avalon, Janice Jen Stevens. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope, not a thing. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start doing some wacky answers. Let me think. Gonna... I'll be ready. Okay. Next time. Okay. <laughs> going to be ready. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.